We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Welcome to the Budding Heads podcast from Ramstalk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro. I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, it's week 14, and the Rams are in sole possession of the best record in the National Football League. How does it feel? Well, to be honest with you, it's kind of a bittersweet feeling. It's sweet in the absolute dominance that the Rams have had all season long. But it's a little bitter because... Am I ready for this to be week 14? Not really. That just means that football is almost over, and that kind of makes me sad a little bit. It's sad, man. You know, I made the playoffs in a good amount of my fantasy leagues right now, but there's also a chance that my fantasy season is done next week if I lose in all my leagues. So I'm not excited for that. I'm even less excited for football to be over with. This has been probably the best Rams season regular season wise it could be their best season ever 
if they win out. But I mean, right now it's you know one of the most memorable runs we've had here in Los Angeles, or even in back when we were in St. Louis in a long time. Man, it's it's been fantastic, and we're gonna talk about this fantastic start in a little bit. But first. As always, guys, you know where to find us, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, Spotify. Get us wherever you're getting your podcasts. And if you're more of a radio kind of guy, you can listen to us at iebeatradio.com where our show airs Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And guys, there's a lot of other shows in our feed. Don't forget to check out the Rams Talk podcast with Derek and Norm. Uh, they were both at the Lions game last week, and you get some good stuff with them. And of course, Rampage Radio with Justin and J Rob. That usually comes out on Fridays because their their show's fantastic, guys. I'd recommend it if you're already not already listening to, it, to any Rams fan. But let's talk about the Rams in their not exactly exhilarating win. Just kicked my laptop here. That's not good. <laughs> They're not exhilarating win against the. Detroit Lions, even though it was a 14-point win and they covered the spread, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it was a little sloppy. And, guys, I'm going to let Johnny do the lead here because, full disclosure, I was on a scouting trip this Sunday in East Rutherford, New Jersey, to watch the Bears play the Giants. So I honestly just caught uh, the condensed version of this game within the last hour. So at least my thoughts are fresh. But, Johnny, I mean, give me your initial reaction coming out of this game and what you thought about how the Rams took care of the Lions in Detroit. In a lot of aspects of it, there was plenty of positives to talk about, and I think we'll talk more in detail about the positives a little bit later. But overall, there was uh, a few things that kind of deterred this win from being, you know, a memorable game to being just another okay Rams victory. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm happy whenever the Rams get a W, but in many aspects, this was a lot closer of a game than it needed to be. Uh, Particularly, defensively, they actually stepped up in a lot of ways. And again, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the offense is actually what seemed a little bit shaky, particularly with Jared Goff. Uh, Jared Goff was kind of one of the main reasons for the struggles. And there wasn't a whole lot of excuses for Goff either. Don't get me wrong. The uh, offensive line didn't have the best performance of the year, but it certainly wasn't terrible either. We've Goff especially has seen a much terrible performance from their offensive line. So it, he couldn't even necessarily use that as an excuse. I just think, he was a little bit rusty and a little bit shaky from the bye week. You know, the bye week kind of took away his momentum, I would say. So am I concerned? Not 100% because, you know, no matter what, a quarterback will always, you know, feed off their momentum in, in games. And that's kind of what, what it was for Goff. He was in a rhythm. He was in the zone. And then uh, even though it may seem like, you know, he's getting a break that doesn't always work that way. And I think it's going to take him a little time to get back into the swing of things. And hopefully he'll, you know, be on the upswing going back into, uh, you know, this week against the bears. Yeah. Goff, obviously I think he's the main takeaway from here. You know, I told Johnny 
after I watched the game we just hopped on. I was like, basically the gist, I saw most of the game, and I saw Jared Goff play bad, and I saw Aaron Donald play good, and I think that's probably the biggest takeaways from this game. But, I mean, with Goff, you you can blame the line a little bit. It wasn't their best day, but, I mean, some of the throws he made in this game, you, you kind of can't believe it's the same quarterback that played arguably the best quarterbacking performance of the season in his last game against Kansas City. I mean, it, the interception he threw was one of maybe the worst throws of his career. I mean, it's first and 10, and I they do like to take shots deep into the, you know, near the end zone early in the downs, so like on first down and whatnot. I don't know why it took me so long to get that sentence out of my mouth, but with Jared Goff, he likes to do that early, but just on first down, you do not throw the ball into triple coverage, let alone not throw it accurately to a position where your receiver can't make that catch. And A, the guy wasn't open. B, it's not like it was a, a go-get-it type ball in single coverage. It, th- there was three defenders around Brandon Cooks, and you know that you can't take that kind of risk on first down when there's that many players near him. He was blanketed. The ball didn't even get near him, and that one was unacceptable. I mean, later in the game, you saw him almost throw an interception on two consecutive screen passes, which that's that's quarterback awareness as well. Um, and you, you really just can't do that twice in a row. They know it's coming. You, you, screen passes are the plays more than anything where you can't force the ball into the guy's hands because if that gets interception, a lot of the times it's going to be a pick six easily. And so am I concerned, you know, not aggressively. I'm a little bit concerned moving forward in next week, but that's kind of a topic I want to say for the Bears preview. But yeah, I mean, some of these throws, it does it just didn't seem like the same player that we saw two weeks ago. And maybe he was rusty. Maybe he, he didn't fully mentally or physically prepare coming off this bye week. And you know what? This is a game where he kind of could have afforded to do that. But next week and, you know, moving forward on the stretch, if we want to put a bow on home field advantage, we need him to play like he was playing before this game. And we really can't afford another performance like this. Yeah, as far as Goff is concerned, he he looked like he was ready to, to leave that game, <laughs> especially when he was throwing those near pick sixes on those screen routes. Yeah, he, it looked like he was like, man, I, I, I'm already thinking about going to bed, you know, just putting this game behind me. You know, and and I couldn't blame him because, hey, you know, he he has his off games just like everyone else does. And uh, I, I think he's, he's going to move forward with this. I'm not too overly concerned, but you're right. Going forward, uh, you know, he's going to face some tough secondaries and we're approaching the playoffs very, very soon. So he, he's got to get this out now. Yeah. And next week's going to be tough, but he he will have a couple tune up ish games coming up for him in the next couple of weeks but you know we're we are going to get back into Goff when we get to the Bears preview later in the podcast so let's move on a little bit here the other is so we say the big three on the Rams right now would be Goff Gurley and Donald Goff played terrible but Gurley and Donald both played two of their best games of the year I'd say Todd Gurley with 132 yards and two touchdowns and another selfless play kind of falling in front of the end zone before although he did get that touchdown back Aaron Donald man and that's kind of the guy I really want to talk about here 
five tackles for loss, two sacks, and a huge forced fumble that kind of put the bow on this game near the end of it. I mean, just, what what do we even make of this guy anymore, man? He's he's double teamed so often, and it just doesn't matter. I mean, it's, there's no way to stop him. I mean, this guy is just pure power. There, there's just that that's all there is to describe this guy is he overwhelms his opponents, his uh, his counterparts, and this is coming from a defensive tackle where the biggest knock on this guy coming out of the draft was that he was undersized. Who gives a damn? This guy overpowers everybody. And on top of that, you know, he just made Stafford feel so uncomfortable. That was one of the reasons why uh, there was absolutely no advancement in the in the uh, passing game was because, you know, they were afraid of, of Aaron Donald. And I couldn't blame him because he was getting to Stafford co- constantly. You know, there was just no getting away from Aaron Donald. He was Stafford's shadow. And let me tell you, that's not a very comforting shadow to be around. So, uh, honestly, Aaron Donald just proved to everyone in the league, this is why I deserve to get paid big money. You know, he is a difference maker for obvious reasons. And I'm certainly glad that this guy is on our team because he's making – not only a stake for being uh, the best defender in the league, but quite possibly one of the best players in the league, if not the best player. Right. It's He's got to be in the MVP conversation. And I think if the Rams defense as a whole can step up over the last couple of weeks, I think he will claw his way into this conversation. You know, Drew Brees not ha- didn't have a great game this week. We'll, we'll talk about that a little later. I think a lot, some of these guys are going to place themselves out of the conversation. And Donald, if he keeps looking like this and the defense as a whole steps up, because I think there's a legitimate case against him in that, how are you going to give the MVP to a guy whose defense doesn't even play well as a whole when you have the best defensive player of the year? Is it fair? Probably not really, but if they can kind of swing it together and have a hell of a stretch here against some offenses that really they should be able to take care of business Donald is going to be in this conversation he very well could be the best player on a 15 and one team and it would be great to see him win the MVP it's a tough battle for non-quarterbacks but especially for non-offensive players and it's going to be tough for him to do it but you know what people are going to have to seriously consider this man because he is earning every single penny of that paycheck and multiple times he's put this defense on his back this year and just carried this team to victory and man we are just lucky to have him but we do have some other guys in the defense that Johnny I know you want to talk about and you kind of stepped up Dante Fowler came out here with a sack today uh Aqib Tlaib return to the game only gave up or return to the team only gave up one catch for 24 yards and you know I gotta throw out some love Johnny for your boy Troy Hill with the game clinching interception late in regulation, how do you feel about the other guys on this defense today, or not today, Sunday? I, I don't know if uh, the listeners know. I know Steve knows, uh, but I, I'm I've been a huge Dante Fowler fan. I was hoping and praying that the Rams were going to get Fowler just because I know this guy has a ton of potential that just hasn't been seen yet, and I think we're seeing a glimpse of it uh, as we head forward. You know, yes, Fowler is also getting the benefit of having, you know, just a superior defensive line. 
Um, so yes, I do realize that, but I also realize that Dante Fowler is definitely somebody to keep an eye on for the next couple of weeks. He had an amazing game and maybe it wasn't perfect a hundred percent, but he did his job. You know, he was a, another one that was getting to Stafford and making him certainly uncomfortable. You know, I, I know that the Lions offense has been basically, you know, battered throughout throughout the entire game. But I what I will say is I do think Stafford as a quarterback is is a very good quarterback. Uh, and he he showed some great plays too where he he made something happen even after being pressured. So don't um don't overlook Stafford's ability because he's on a terrible team. Keep in mind that this defense really did make a good quarterback, you know, uncomfortable. I, I don't know if you can say he's elite, but Fowler was definitely in that equation and making making uh, Stafford just hate being on the field. As for uh, as for my boy Troy Hill, <sighs> yeah, I'll give him props. You know, he he had his uh, he had his moment there and. You know, uh, I, I'm not a, the biggest Hill supporter as a starter, but you know what? He he does step up from time to time, and he's in, he's exactly where he needs to be as as a backup. And I, I truly support him there, not necessarily as a starter. But speaking of starters, Akib Talib had a you know pretty decent day, can, all things considered. You know, this is a guy coming off an injury, and I was a little concerned going into this game. Uh, if uh, you know Talib was going to perform well or, or show like any sign of rusting, but for most of the game he did relatively well. You know he looked like he could have played the entire game, honestly. And I, I remember uh, distinctly seeing on the sidelines, uh, you know, the camera panned on him, uh, you know, a little bit annoyed. I'll say uh, that you know he was on a snap count. It looked like he wanted to go back out there. And I think he could have, but, you know, for the sake of the rest of the season, I don't necessarily blame, you know, Wade Phillips and Sean McVay for trying to preserve Aqib Tlaib. You know, this is a guy that very clearly made a big impact, too. Um, and, and it was evident when, when Tlaib went out because, you know, once Tlaib went out, uh, there was there was some plays that Stafford was able to make because, you know, there, you know, there was starting to be people opened a little bit here and there. But uh, overall, I did like what I saw with Tlaib, and uh, I'm intrigued to see how he plays, uh, um, you know, as the season goes on and to see if he's on a snap count, you know, this week against the Bears. We'll see. I think he will be freed a little bit more this week, but it was 100% the right move to limit his snaps coming off an injury. You know, he's he's getting up there in age. He's not getting any younger. We, we want this guy healthy for the playoffs. Quite frankly, we need him healthy for the playoffs, and if they think it's the right approach to continue to limit his, ease him in, even against the Bears, more power to him. I don't blame the move, but I, I think we he was at 36% of the snaps this week. Troy Hill was at 53%. Uh, Sam Shields saw 29 I think we will see Shields and both him and Hill down a little bit next week, and Aqib Tlaib's numbers will bump up, and they'll continue to bump up until he's, you know, Marcus Peters played 82% of the snaps. I fully expect Tlaib to at least be around that number, maybe even more by the time the season's ending. But you know what? We don't have a ton of tough matchups for the rest of the way. 
I like the mood to ease him in. And Troy Hill and what may be his last real prominent game of the season, it's nice to see him go out with a nice little play there. He, he, he is a solid backup. I'm not sure if he's going to be here next year. You know, if we could get him back on the right contract, I'd be more than happy to have him as, as a backup, of course. But you know what, man? He's I feel like he's produced for us when we needed him more times than not. The times where he doesn't are immensely frustrating, but it's nice to see him produce. And Marcus Peters, another decent day for him, only gave up one catch for 24 yards. The streak of positive performances by him continues, and hopefully we will con- continue to see him perform well. You know, the Tyreek Hill massacre was not his fault. That was He was not the matchup. This is three consecutive games uh, for Marcus Peters where he played relatively well. I'm sorry, he gave up four receptions for 32 yards, which, I mean, all things considered, Kenny Galladay was his main matchup. I'll take it. Um, But I think we can kind of wrap it up there on the Lions game. We got some news and notes to get here, guys. But before we do, I know most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. If you want to learn a bit more about the Rams history with a bit of a personal touch, Check out Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. I know some of our listeners have purchased this book and have read it, and they know that this is just an incredible read, guys. It tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. It is the son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Some of those guys he played with, Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Likes Hirsch, Les Richter, Tom Fears. You're going to learn all about those guys and more in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available in both hardback and electronic format, Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood Steam through various booksellers on the internet. Everyone, this book is just worth every penny for any Rams out, out there. But if you're just a fan of good stories, this is a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, guys, check it out. Hollywood's team, Grit, Glamour, in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is well worth your time. All right, Johnny, kind of some bummer of a news here. Malcolm Brown is expected to miss the rest of the regular season for the Rams, maybe beyond. Brown, a guy who's kind of coming out into his own as a very, very capable backup running back. With a key stretch going into the season, you know, how much of big of a loss is this for the Rams? And how much faith do you have in the guys behind him in John Kelly and Justin Davis? At first glance, this is kind of a non-issue to most. But this is a lot bigger deal than people realized. Okay, so it, it be, it's a known fact that Todd Gurley is the bell cow of uh, – uh, of the Los Angeles Rams, you know, that's a no brainer, but ev- I mean, even Gurley ha- needs to have, you know, a couple plays off here and there. And that's where, you know, a guy like Malcolm Brown came in and stepped up. And, you know, honestly, I, I feel like he never really got the credit he deserved because each time he came in, he gave quality snaps, uh, you know, at, at the running back position. So, I I don't know I, I don't know uh, why you wouldn't consider this guy a major factor because he he did make some big plays but um, is it the end of the world not necessarily but this will hurt more than you realize 
I will say that there are quality backups still. I mean, we know all about Kelly. We know all about Justin Davis. I will say I'm more of a Kelly fan at this point, and I think that he's going to be the future of our backups. But it'll be interesting to see who McVay brings in uh, as the backup role to uh, Gurley. Uh, I'm kind of hoping to see more of Kelly just because I think uh, Steve and I both agree that this that Kelly's more of the uh, uh, future of the running back as far as the backup role. And who knows, maybe he, he'll earn more snaps along the way if he, you know, performs well. But it's, you know, it's kind of one of those things where Kelly is still a rookie at the end of the day. And Davis, um, well, he has... He has potential, but he also has a couple of issues as well. Um, you know, one of the issues being that he has fumbled a couple of times, both in preseason and I believe in regular season, if memory serves me correct. But, um, you know, I, I still, at the end of the day, uh, am, you know, confident in both of these guys. But, you know, again, it's not like Gurley went down so it's not the end of the world, but it will impact. Yeah, losing Brown is, it's tough. I mean, knock on wood, I hope nothing happens here, but if something were to happen for Gurley, you'd feel a lot better having Brown as the guy stepping in for him. He's proven that he's a more than capable backup running back. I believe we made an apology to him a couple weeks ago because we kind of hoisted the John Kelly flag as he should be the backup running back, but... You know what, now that he is the backup running back, and and I wish Brown nothing but a quick recovery, I I hope we can get him back for the playoffs, and I hope he's fully healthy to get his bag this offseason and make some money, but we, I feel like everybody on Rams Twitter was so amped up about how good Kelly looked in the preseason, Uh, he, I, I thought he looked great, Uh, Justin Davis, I liked him as well, I thought he was fine, but if we're going to give one of these guys some work spelling Todd Gurley, I do hope it's Kelly. He showed some genuine flashes in the preseason of somebody who looks like he's going to be a good player. Obviously, we've seen none of him in the regular season, but because Brown just was so consistent and reliable as a backup running back, there's no need to work in a rookie into a role that, in reality, wasn't that important from a game-to-game basis, barring injury. And but now you know what now that Malcolm Brown is unfortunately out of the picture, I'm excited to see Kelly get worked in. I think we will for the most part just see Gurley come out less, but when he needs a break, I think we will see Kelly, and I think Kelly's gonna have something to prove. And I I am excited to see what he can do with the Rock, and it it's gonna be interesting to see him finally get some time on the field. He's literally hasn't played all year. He hasn't been injured as far as we've been aware. So it I, you know what. It sucks because I like Brown, but I am excited to see some Kelly carries. In other news, in news that we kind of forgot putting the sheet together because it's just kind of ridiculous, the Rams have clinched the NFC West Championship in Week 13. They almost clinched it last week, but the Seahawks pulled out a big win. But officially, with four games left in the season, the 11-1 Los Angeles Rams are NFC West champions back to back. Last year was the first time since 2003. Now we've won two in a row. I mean, what, Johnny, what do we even make of this? Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's kind of funny because you know Steve and I were talking about this before the podcast about 
how it you know don't get me wrong it's a it's it's something to celebrate about because you know the NFC West anytime you can be an NFC West champion it's it's a great thing but it's not on our minds honestly in like in years past the you know we've always kind of looked at oh can the Rams win the NFC West it's not even so much that anymore you know the Rams are so good that it just was like already a lock for a while now I mean it just I mean this was something that we knew was obviously going to happen but you know it it's just made official now so I mean, we're at the point now, we're not only talking about just that, we're talking about winning, you know, the uh, home field advantage throughout. And that's something that the Rams haven't really been able to talk about in a long time. So the NFC West division, while it's special and it's great, uh, it's something worth celebrating, it's really not something that's on the uh, the fans' minds. And not on the minds of many media as well. It wasn't really blown out of proportion like it would have been in years past. I did kind of like that the players kind of embraced it. I saw a lot of Instagram posts with everyone wearing their NFC West Championship t-shirts. You know, I think it's just any reason to celebrate in week 14 or 13. You kind of just got to you kind of got to have fun with it. And I I did kind of like to see that. What's kind of mind-blowing about this, too, is that, like, you know, you kind of think, like, oh, well, it's because everyone sucks. But the Seahawks are good. The Seahawks are in the playoffs right now. I believe they're the five seed. Not count- They started out 0-2. They're 7-3 and cents. Two of those losses are to us, and one of them is to the Chargers. I mean, you take out games against the best team in the NFL. Yeah, I said it. The Seahawks are 7-1 and in their last eight games, and... It doesn't matter. The Rams already clinched the division, so Seahawks can only hope for a wild card spot. They cannot host a first round matchup, and man, it really just feels good to be NFC West champions. But kind of continuing with the theme of clinching the playoffs, the Bears and the Saints lost last week, and that has huge implications on the Rams moving forward. Should the Rams beat the Bears, they out, they clinch a bye. Outright, they clinch a first-round bye with only 12 wins. They could lose out, and they'll still be at least a two-seed. And we'll, we'll get to the Bears and their problems after the next break, but you know, that's huge. And the Saints losing, now the Rams control their own destiny. If they win out, they are first place in the NFC They'll have the best record in the NFL, and they will have the best record in franchise history. They've only finished with one loss and no ties once. It was They had nine wins, I believe. This was very early in the NFL's history. Uh, the best record they've had in the modern era is a 14-2 season by the 0-1 Rams. This will be their best year ever. Do you believe that the Rams can finish 15-1? Do you think they will? more importantly, and, you know, just to piggyback on that kind of, do you even think the Saints went out? You think, like, how concerned are you about the Saints after this performance? You know, we kind of touched a little bit about this last week, about uh, how we felt about the Saints, and I think you and I both agree 
that our opinions might have diminished on the Saints just a little bit after one week. Uh, amazing how one week can really alter your opinion on a team. Not to say that the the Saints are a terrible team by any stretch of the means. You know, they didn't exactly play uh, a horrible team. We're starting to figure out that there's more to the Cowboys than what we what many have initially thought. I think even most cow even some Cowboy fans will say a lot of Cowboy fans I'd say pretty much all of them would probably agree with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so the Saints um they this loss was huge because as we mentioned last week, they still have a tough road ahead of them. They still have to play the Carolina Panthers twice. And while I will say that I think I have a little more faith in the Cowboys than the Panthers at this point, it's still not going to be an easy win, either home or away. So that's that's something you got to deal with. And then they have to go against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they don't have an easy schedule, whereas the Rams, you know, yes, they have a tough uh, opponent this upcoming week against the Chicago Bears, but looking at the rest of the schedule, it's really not that intimidating as compared to the New Orleans Saints. And in all honesty, the likelihood of the Saints winning or losing, or I should say, the the likelihood of the Saints losing as opposed to the Rams losing is a lot higher for the Saints because there's just the the matchups are much tougher. And again, the Rams shouldn't overlook any opponent, but as long as they continue to play good football, they do control their destiny like you said, they absolutely do. And there's nothing that in my opinion can stop them from really achieving this except for themselves right and you know it's funny when one side of the rams team slacks off a little bit the other side usually picks up the slack but in this saints game i mean the defense they weren't the saints defense wasn't incredible but you know the the cowboys lost two fumbles and it didn't even matter the the saints couldn't capitalize on anything uh, the running game was non-existent, which is unacceptable for a team with that much talent in the backfield. The passing game was awful. I mean, Michael Thomas led the season in receiving yards with 40. He had a third of their yards, pretty much. Drew Brees, 127 yards. Drew Brees, in the last two weeks combined, hasn't thrown for over 300 yards. It's Last week, they were able to take care of business. The running game was lifted a little bit. And, I mean, credit to the Cowboys. You know, they, they won this game more than the Saints lost it, I'd say, even though they only scored 13 points. Dak Prescott, he, he played fine, um, you know, didn't make a ton of mistakes. I, I know he had the fumble, but still, you got to be impressed with how he played. And But, I mean, this defense, they may, you know, this might be the blueprint for teams to look at down the line and how to stop the Saints. You know, with the Rams offense, I think in games that they were bad, it's more just like Jared Goff making kind of young player errors. But Drew Brees is not going to make – young player errors you know it's completely unacceptable for drew Brees to throw over 127 yards and i mean like you said you look at their schedule tampa bay it i feel like we're kind of re-going over this after last week but whatever tampa bay team they've lost to carolina twice like you said they're not great 
Nobody should be that scared of the Panthers, but play them twice in three weeks. They are a decent team with a quarterback who I still think you, know, you don't want to line up against as a defensive player. And then Pittsburgh, who despite losing to the Chargers this week in a game that I think meant a lot more to the Chargers than it meant to them, they're a very good football team and one that you got to be able to hang with on the offensive side of the ball to win. And I, I know they scored a lot against the Falcons, but this is two weeks in a row where Drew Brees hasn't looked fantastic. And they I think they will get it together ultimately, but this is not the time of the season where you want to find yourself in a rut. And for the Saints, I think that's big. And for the Rams, I think more than likely they will end up with the home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And that's that's going to be massive for us. Even even though the Saints play in a dome, Jared Goff's wheelhouse, this is going to be huge if we can wrap up home field. We do have one more team to talk about here, and we mentioned them briefly, and that is the Bears. But before we talk about the Bears, we're going to give a quick shout-out to the Golden Ram Barbershop. Guys, if you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like that classic old school barbershop experience, you got to give our friend Cal- wow, our friend Sal Martinez a call at the Golden Ram Barbershop. That's located at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine of the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis, and he's kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. Again, that's 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows we sent you, and you're going to get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, guys. Give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to Sal's shop is worth it, not only to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there, but Sal provides that old-school, classic barbershop experience. Talking, He's going to talk Rams football with you, whatever else you want. Trust me, guys, you won't regret it. Sal's going to make you look great. And, Johnny, you've been to Sal's. You know, I know you love it, right? Well, he turned Johnny into Magic Johnny, so uh, I'll, I'll let you leave the picture on there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. The... 100% the most important game for the rest of the season here for the Rams and a huge matchup with the Chicago Bears on Sunday night football in Chicago. I will be on the ground in Chicago. I'm very excited for it, although it's going to be very cold. And I don't know if you LA folk know what cold is, but it means you have to wear more than a sweatshirt and it's not going to be that fun, but it should be a great game. Now, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, I did go to the Bears game this week, so I do want to talk about it a little bit. And before we even get into the Bears, Johnny, I don't know if you saw this, but like on the first drive of the game, Alec Ogletree had a pick six. Did you did you catch that? Uh, slightly off topic, Steve. Uh, what is cold? <laughs> you don't even know, man. You ever been to Chicago in the winter? I, I've been to Chicago, but uh, I've never actually been in the winter time. So, uh, no, I still don't know what Chicago winters are like, and I, I don't know if I want to find out. You know, I, I'm a New Englander here, uh, New Yorker now. I thought I knew what winters were like. You know, they were cold. We got snow. It was freezing. And I went to college in Milwaukee, and it's very similar weather-wise to Chicago. I did not know what winter was. The wind in these places is unbearable. It's something you're going to have to look out for in this game. The wind and the cold is the effect, but it <laughs> You think you know cold. You don't know cold until you've been to the Midwest in the winter because it is freezing. But, yeah, man, so Alec Ogletree 
had a pick six early on in the game. He had a one-handed interception later in the game. So shout out to former Rams captain Alec Ogletree. No, I was getting hyped up for him. I, I thought that was awesome, even though I do kind of hate the Giants. And speaking of hating on the Giants, Eli Manning, man, he is so washed up, it's not even funny. I mean, in a game where you're playing against Chase Daniels and you're the worst quarterback in the game and you have two Super Bowl MVPs, I mean, I think it's time to think about hanging it up, man. The best quarterback in on the Giants in this game was Odell Beckham. So, I mean, take that as you will. This was not a good performance by Eli Manning. But nevertheless, the Giants somehow won this game. I think part of that credit could go to the aforementioned Chase Daniels. You know, he, his numbers-wise, doesn't look terrible, but he had two interceptions, sacked five times. I mean, his QBR was 11.5, so that's not good. Uh, the Bears, give them credit, though, they did claw their way back into this game and um, wo- almost won it. They had a miraculous – there was two touchdowns thrown by non-quarterbacks in this game, and one of them was Tariq Cohen to win the game. A little bit of that Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy running that you know Philly special type play. You got to love it. But let me, let me start with this, Johnny, because I have the players that don't scare me in this game, and then I'll give you the player that does. Do you think there is any chance, any remote chance that the Rams lose this game if Chase Daniel is the quarterback? And I don't think he's going to be, but we have to mention it. Well, if Chase Daniel is the uh, is the quarterback, the Rams pretty much have this in the bag. I- I'm really that confident. You know, there's just no way that 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 he can you know compete against the Rams defense, and you know Trubisky obviously gives you a much better chance of winning this game. I don't know if I'm necessarily afraid of Trubisky either, though. Uh, I don't know. That might be an unpopular opinion, but I still am not sold on Trubisky either because he's kind of a boomer bust kind of player. I think Trubisky is good. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm necess- like scared of him necessarily. Um, the Bears offense, well, when with Trubisky throwing the ball, they're, they're competent offense, I think. Trubisky, I think, as the season's come along, he's kind of came into his own. He's had some huge games. Uh, you know, we talk about Detroit, a team that Jared Goff just struggled with. Trubisky tore them apart when they played them. 350 yards, three touchdowns on 23-30 passing. I mean, you look at how Goff played against the Detroit defense. That's kind of concerning, but he's a good player. Uh, this offense as a whole, it's not that great. Uh, you know, Matt Nagy's, they've gotten it better, but it's still not a team that should frighten anybody. But, I mean, yeah, if Chase Daniels is the quarterback, I mean, this is year nine, and he still hasn't thrown for 1,000 yards in his entire career. Uh, if he starts this game and throws for five yards, he'll finally do it. But we talk about Tom Brady taking 20 years to run for 1,000 yards. It's taken Daniels nine to throw for 1,000 yards. He's a freaking quarterback. But he- here's the guy, Johnny, watching this game that, dominated was Tariq Cohen the you know he's not I don't know if he's technically even the starter for the Bears uh, Jordan Howard out carried him 16 to 8 uh, Howard actually decent game 16 carries for 76 yards but uh, he you know he's not going to be the one that carves up the Rams you know he might hurt us a little just because our run defense has struggled at times but three Cohen in the passing game 12 receptions for 156 yards he was 
torching the Giants on the little running back wheel route. I, you know, I have faith that Wade Phillips will look at the tape and be prepared for that with a safety over the top. But I mean, regardless of the wheel route, I just don't feel like the Rams have an answer to this type of player. You know, we talked about it going into the Saints game. I didn't think we had any answer for Alvin Kamara, and he's had his way with the Rams. Tariq Cohen, not as good as Alvin Kamara, especially, you know, when it comes to running on the ground. But through the passing game, I don't, like, I don't know who we throw on him, whether it's Mark Barron, whether it's Corey Littleton, maybe, like, Marquis Christian or LaMarcus Joyner. But I think this is a guy that if the Bears are going to beat us offensively, he is going to have to torched us like he did the Giants last week and I'm kind of concerned that he might well Cohen I feel like has always been the underrated running back on on the uh on the Bears and for the life of me don't get me wrong not taking anything away from Jordan Howard but for the life of me I don't understand why Cohen isn't used more but the Bears you know continue to try and use Jordan Howard Uh, that might be a better thing for the Rams but I think that uh, that they will see that Cohen is the better answer against the Rams. But um, that being said, it is it is a bit of a concern and probably the biggest concern offensively, honestly, because whether it be Trubisky or whether it be Daniel, uh, I, I'm not really that concerned in the passing game. It, it's more in the running game. I, I'm especially you know, a little bit more confident in the passing attack, uh, you know, because, you know, to leave is back now. So that'll ease some of the pressure out in the secondary. So, yeah, Cohen, by far, in my opinion, is the biggest concern uh, coming into this game. Yeah, I think if the Bears were to beat the Rams through the passing game, it's not going to be with the receivers. I think with to leave back, with Marcus Peters playing better, Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, those guys are all very solid football players. Very, you know, that's that's a fine receiving core. But I don't think as long as the Rams passing game can hold up as well as they have been, or passing defense, I should say, I, it doesn't scare me with those receivers versus our cornerbacks. And I think the Rams have really struggled against dominating wide receiver ones, uh, you know, as most teams in the NFL do. Allen Robinson, while he's good, I don't think he's on that level of like, you know, the Michael Thomas's guys like that that have just diced our defense. If they were to beat us through the passing game, and what scares me is Tariq Cohen and the tight ends, another position that we've struggled to guard. Now, I know Adam Sheehan and Trey Burton, who didn't even have a catch against the Giants, detrimental to my fantasy teams. Uh, those two guys, I think, could do a little bit more damage than we'd expect. When it, when it comes to who's going to hurt us on defense. I think Cohen will be public enemy number one. That's the player the Rams need to figure out how to stop. If the Bears are smart, that's the player that they're going to try to hit us with. But I think look out for these tight ends too because that's a position that the Rams have struggled against as well. And, you know, last thoughts for me from this game. Uh, it was a game that the Bears shouldn't have won. It was kind of crazy that they climbed the, clawed their way back in, but... Ultimately, you lose to a team like the Giants. It's not a good sign, especially now because you know they've they're basically done with any chance of getting a first round bye with that loss. They probably weren't going to get it anyways, but now they would literally need 
to win out and they need the Rams to lose out being uh you know what I'm sorry they would need to finish 12 and 4 and they would need the Rams to uh finish 1 and 3 which I, I don't think is going to happen but here's a topic Johnny that I kind of alluded to early in the podcast we haven't had to talk about this in a while and when we first talked about this a while ago, and I'm going to give our Rams fans a refresher, we kind of said this might be the only time we'll have to talk about it again all season. Jared Goff played terrible this week, and it wasn't his worst game of the year. we got to take you back to week six when the Rams played in Denver against the Broncos. Now, I will remind you that was the only cold-weather game the Rams have played this year. And Jared Goff went 14 to 28 for 201 yards, no touchdowns and interceptions, sacked five times. It was a noticeably poor performance, similar to the Lions game this week. And I kind of brush this topic aside because it's not something that we have to talk about often. But honestly, do you think that Jared Goff will have a good day against this elite Bears defense in the cold? Because we don't see him play in the cold that often, and it hasn't been great when we have. It all just kind of depends on how the offense is is, uh, attacking. And this is kind of one of the things where it it boils down to coaching. While I think Sean McVay has shown the league that he he is a young and -and up-and-coming elite coach, um, there have been some times where he hasn't made – the best decisions and one of the things that just kind of aggravate me at times is that he will be quick to abandon the run and revert straight directly to the passing game and he doesn't do that you know vice versa he he kind of he kind of relies completely on on the passing attack when he has a more than capable you know Todd Gurley right next to him so even when Goff struggles, they still don't give up on the passing game. And not to say that he should, but they should, you know, feed Gurley the ball more. You know, you have an amazing running back. Use him. And I think that's going to be the key of this game. They don't have to abandon the pass by any means, but they have to play smarter football. They, if, if they see that Goff isn't really performing Goff-like, then they need to, you know, make simpler passes, you know, uh, not too simple, obviously, where he's going to throw pick sixes on, you know, screen routes. But, you know, play smarter football, uh, I'll say. And then, again, if all else fails, feed Gurley. You know, there's a reason why that this guy is one of the best, if not the best running back in the league right now. It's going to be really interesting to see what McVeigh's approach offensively to this game is because, you know, kind of because of everything we just laid out for you. I mean, passing defense, Chicago is the 11th best in the league, rushing their second, but it is worth noting that over the past two games, they've given up their second and third biggest yardage totals on the ground on defense and you know Saquon Barkley last week is obviously a stud but before that it was the LeGarrette Blunt led Lions running game not great to give up 111 yards to that that squad but 
it's going to be crazy and a really interesting game just to watch. There's so many different factors. And this, to me, uh, is probably the most interesting thing to watch is what's McVay's gonna, approach going to be. This is a run defense, while good, has been vulnerable in the last two weeks. You have the best running back in the game, arguably at least. You have a quarterback coming off a bad week in a less than ideal situation for him to play in. Even though Chicago's passing defense isn't as good as its running defense, I do think you should lead the way with Gurley in this matchup. I think Goff is... Because, to be honest with you, I do think the Colt thing is kind of real. I don't think it's that real, but I think... I don't think he's really used to playing in the cold, and to be honest, he probably never will have to be. He's not going to be playing in the cold very often. I, I'm just, it just concerns me. The, the game in Denver, he was terrible, and whether that was because of Denver's defense, whether that was because he just had an off day, whether it was because it was cold, more realistically, it was probably a combination of three, but still, hopefully he has an on day this week, but the cold, the defense, I think you have to let attempt to at least let Gurley be the guy that wins you this game and if it's not working bring it to the pass I mean sometimes it happens like that but this is going to be a very very interesting game plan for Sean McVay and I'm curious to see how he approaches this now Johnny ultimately it's time to make a prediction here how do you think this game turns out I think this is going to be a very big defensive performance and I I think basically the the team that makes uh, the most critical mistake because I, I think mistakes will happen just because these two defenses, you know, they have a ton of playmaking studs on their teams. You know, Khalil Mack is is one of the best, uh, you know, in one of the best defenders in the league, and then you have Aaron Donald, who's probably one of the best players in the league. So mistakes will happen it's just which one will be the most critical and I think that's ultimately what it's going to come down to I see this as a low scoring affair or at least you know in the Ram standard low scoring and I I see this becoming like a 24 to 14 game and I'll give that to the Rams yeah I'm gonna go 24 to 18 Uh, I kind of do agree with all your sentiments here this is. I think the Rams' offense will struggle a little bit. I don't think it'll be as dramatic for Goff as it was against Denver or Detroit, but I I don't really expect him to go out there and completely light up this defense. I expect Todd Gurley to have a decent game, but again, I don't expect him to go out there and you know kind of fully light up this defense. I'd love to see it, but this Bears defense is really damn good. We have the better player of the two between Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack. No offense to all our Khalil Mack fans out there, but when you get past that, I think there's clearly a little bit more talent on the Bears' defense, and I do think they're the better defense, but we are offensively, I don't think it's even close. Uh, Tariq Cohen will hurt us. The tight ends may hurt us, but if we could limit it to being just Tariq Cohen hurting us, I think we'll be fine. And I just want to say if Chase Daniel is the one playing in this game, I'm going to say the Rams win 31 to 13 because I have no faith in that man after watching him play two straight weeks because of course we got him on Thanksgiving too and (laughs) I mean he's just I'm sorry he made it to the NFL he's made so much money I don't feel bad saying that he is just not 
good enough to be a starter in this league, and he probably never will be. And I'm sure he will go to sleep crying tears if he ever hears me saying that, rubbing his face with the millions of dollars he's made to play four games. Okay, sorry, Chase. <laughs> um, but well, he, damn, Steve just made a grown man cry. <laughs> I would hope not. Yeah, I mean, he's played nine years. By all standards of being a successful backup NFL quarterback, he has been. I don't know how because he never plays, but here he is. You know, here he is. Um, backup quarterbacks are people too, Steve. Backup quarterbacks, man, if you're Chase Daniel has the best job, you know, maybe in <laughs> NFL history, man. Nine years, four starts, and he might he might even snake out of playing in this important game against a frightening defense. Yeah. So we'll see, we'll see what happens, but honestly, and this might be selfish because I'm going to this game. I do kind of hope it's Mitch. I, I don't really want to see Chase Daniel play again. I, I've seen enough. I, I've seen enough, and I'm sure we all have too. So I, I think it's gonna be a great game. I'm excited to be out there in Chicago in the cold, and I'll definitely have some stuff to report back uh, to you guys after that game, but. I think that's about it, Johnny. You can follow us at twitter.com, talk, at TalkRams, me at Steve Ribeiro, Johnny at Johnny596. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Ramstalk. Don't forget to check out Ramstalk Radio and Budding Heads this week. And don't forget to follow us wherever you can get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Android, Google Play, Player FM, Spotify, and, of course, iebeatradio.com. Johnny. Before we send him out, you got any parting thoughts? Good luck. Uh, good luck staying warm, Steve. <laughs> but uh, I, I expect to see a, a lot of updates uh, from, from the squad down there. I do too. And obviously keep your eyes out to see if Trubisky is going to be on the field this week because that will be huge for this game. But, again, as always, thank you guys for listening. For Johnny Gomez, this is Steve Ribeiro. We'll talk to you guys soon. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.